Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about the uh, Supreme Court cases decided in the last term. We'll also visit with our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is July the 27th, and on this day in 1949, the world's first jet-propelled airliner, the British de Havilland Comet, made its maiden test flight in England. The jet engine would ultimately revolutionize the airline industry, shrinking air travel time in half by enabling planes to climb faster and fly higher. The Comet was the creation of an English aircraft designer and aviation pioneer, Sir Geoffrey de Havilland. De Havilland started out designing motorcycles and buses, but after seeing Wilbur Wright demonstrate an airplane in 1908, he decided to build one of his own. The Wright brothers had made their famous first flight at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina in 1903. De Havilland successfully designed and piloted his first plane in 1910 and went on to work for English aircraft manufacturers before starting his own company in 1920. De Havilland Aircraft Company became a leader in aviation uh, industry, known for developing lighter engines and faster, more streamlined planes. In 1939, an experimental jet-powered plane debuted in, in, in Germany. During World War II, Germany was the first country to use jet fighters. De Havilland also designed fighter planes during the war years. He uh, was knighted for his contributions to aviation in 1944. Following the war, de Havilland turned his focus to commercial jets, Developing the Comet and the Ghost Jet Engine, after its uh, July 1949 test flight, the Comet underwent three more years of testing and training flights. Then, on May 2, 1952, the British Overseas Aircraft Corporation began the work for, uh, world's first commercial jet service with a 42-seat uh, Comet 1A flying paying passengers from London to Johannesburg. The Comet was uh, capable of traveling 480 miles per hour, a record speed at the time. However, the initial commercial flight was short-lived and lived, <laughs> and uh, due to a series of fatal crashes in 1953 and 54, the entire fleet was grounded. Investigators eventually determined that the plane had experienced mental fatigue, resulting from the need to repeat pressure and uh, depressure in the cabins. Four years later, de Havilland deb debuted an improved and certified Comet, in, uh, in the meantime, American Airlines manufacturers Boeing and Douglas each had introduced faster, more efficient jets of their own and became the dominant force in the industry. By the early 1980s, most comets used by commercial airlines had been taken out of service. Jet propulsion. Can you imagine how few years that is uh, back in time? It's just amazing what has developed since then. Well, a statement announcing the actor Tony Dow forever immortalized as Wally Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver, had died and but had been retracted. The announcement had been retracted by his wife, mistakenly believed he had passed. On Tuesday, a statement put out Dow's verified Facebook account stated that he died after being placed on hospice care in his battle with cancer. 
Dow's management team later retracted the statement after being given false information from his wife. Though Dow had not passed away, is still receiving hospice care at home. His son, uh, Christopher Dow, told the media that Tony is in his last hours, according to the deadline. It's not the first time, first time this has happened. Uh, there have been other deaths, actually, within the last year. Famous people uh, claimed to, they've uh, claimed that they died, but they didn't. Well, he's on his last days. And well, what he contributed to the Leave It to Beaver uh, show for years is uh, just amazing. Now he's on his deathbed. So sad. Well, yesterday afternoon, former President Donald Trump set forth a sweeping policy prescription for America in which he called for treating cartels like terror groups, medical treatments tents for country's huge homeless population, and the end to sexualization of children. Speaking at the first Policy Institute summit, the former president outlined plans for dealing with the plethora of issues facing America today. We know where these gangs operate and what streets they control, he said of the drug cartels pushing narcotics in the U.S. interior. The police officers know their names. The problem is that they're not allowed to do anything about it, and they want to, said Trump. We need to get in there immediately, go in and get drugged in every stash house, every hideaway, and round up the dealers and killers and gang members and charge them with any and every crime that we find, and there a lot of me asserted, to lead this effort, a violent crime task force must be tasked with destroying these organizations, and the penalty should be severe. It's time we get brutally tough on the dealers and traffickers and narco-terrorist cartels that are stealing over 200,000 lives each year, he continued. And yes, these drug traffickers should and must receive the death penalty. On the issue of American homeless population, he prescribed several relief options. Drug squalor is not good for anyone, he said. For the good of everyone involved in the homeless need to go to shelters, the long-term mentally ill should go to institutions and unhoused drug addicts need to go to rehab, if necessary, to jail. We have a problem. It's a big problem. And how do you handle these hundreds of thousands of people getting worse all the time? Open up large parcels of inexpensive land in the outer reaches of the cities. Bring medical professionals in, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, drug rehab specialists, Bring permanent bath- build permanent bathrooms and other facilities, make them good, but build them fast and create thousands of uh, high-quality tents, which can be done in, in one day, he said. Some people say that this is a horrible idea. No, what's horrible is what's happening now, he insisted. We have to do it better because uh, you can put a, a tent in one day, and, and it would be two, three years, a long time. If you're going to build housing, it's the best ambition of these people, and all of us want to get their lives back and back on track. Leave the tent city and be back in the mainstream in society, he said. And yes, he said, the 2020 election was stolen. He actually went to Washington, D.C., right there in the, the mouth of the Leviathan and said that uh, the 2020 election was stolen. The Biden Justice Department has now opened an investigation into Trump's actions, overturned the 2020 election results. The Biden regime is jailing its political opponents and now investigating the former president. I'm not kidding. This is really happening. So I'm sure that uh, Merrick Garland will take, uh, probably sometime just before the election, uh, take a, a judicial action against the president of the United States, Donald Trump. But uh, I think even if he, even if they do that, I'm quite certain that he would win uh, the nomination for the Republican Party as well as the uh, presidential race. And again, I encourage you, if you haven't seen it, the real story of January 6th. The Real Story of January 6th. It's an epic times documentary, extremely well done, and I just encourage you uh, to take a look at it. 
Well, the Chinese government uh, carried out a long-term information theft campaign against the Federal Reserve, according to a result uh, report released Tuesday from Republican members of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. The Federal Reserve, charged with executing a dual mandate of maximum employment and stable prices, is presently determining policy to navigate the U.S. economy through the highest inflation rates in four decades. The report found that China, which holds nearly a trillion dollars in treasury securities, has used talent plan recruitment and promises of academic positions in an effort to gain influence and glean information from the central bank. The Chinese government makes no secret of wanting to be the world superpower, the report said. No sector or institution is off limits. The Chinese have shown that it will use any means necessary to achieve its goals. China has been conducting its campaign against the Federal Reserve since at least 2013, according to the report, with investigators identifying 13 persons of interest at eight of the 12 regional Federal Reserve banks of uh, 2015, Based on their international travel patterns and other factors, the report details five more recent cases of China seeking sensitive information from American economists, with four of the mentioned individuals retaining their employment at the central bank, a committee told uh, a news outlet. It's kind of scary stuff, although I think the Chinese, Communist Chinese, might be overrating policy with regard to the central bank. But irrespective, the report also noted that the Federal Reserve has been unable to counter China's malign influence and collection campaign effectively. It revealed that officials with known ties to talent recruitment programs retain access to confidential information, meaning that the central bank ought to improve relationships with members of the intelligence community and federal law enforcement. The report recommended passing the Safeguarding American Innovation Act, a bill sponsored by Senator Rob Portman, and aimed at stopping foreign governments, particularly China, from stealing American taxpayer-funded research and intellectual property. By introducing fines and prison sentences for those who intentionally fail to disclose foreign support on grant uh, applications, we cannot continue to allow our adversaries to steal taxpayer-funded research and innovation to the detriment of hard-working Americans. Uh, so... Uh, again, active since 2013, if you can imagine that. Right now, we're uh, looking at uh, passing a semiconductor bill for billions of dollars of support. Uh, and yet, uh, apparently, the uh, the uh, majority leader in the Senate has decided, uh, Chuck Schumer, has decided that he would like to take out the phrase in the bill that says that uh, these... Uh, uh, Semiconductors can be built outside the United States, particularly in China, if you can believe that. So it makes you wonder who's who's actually getting paid uh, for for this type of. I'm sure Chuck Schumer is being financed by the Communist Chinese Party in some way or, or shape or form. Well, under pressure from environmentalists, some governments have implemented extreme nitrogen fertilizer restrictions that ignore the time needed to restore depleted soil microbiology, resulting in protests from some scientists and farmers who are seeing the concerning efforts of such restrictions. According to organic farming proponent and former U.S. Department of Agriculture soil scientist Kelly Walker, in order to keep the billions of people around the world fed, a paste switch to a hybrid approach is needed over time. Extreme change is based on arbitrary number to allow the soil that many years is needed to transition away from chemical fertilizers to more organic future. So uh, we've seen what's happening in Sri Lanka. We've uh, seen what's happening right now in the Netherlands. And apparently around the globe, 
their attempts to make uh, to outlaw nitrogen and change the fertilizer. Farmers are, of course, in protest because they know it's going to happen. Unfortunately, there's been an ongoing conflict between some environmental environmentalists and regulators with landowners and producers who make a living raising crops and cattle off of the land or the approach and extent to which move towards a common goal of going organic. It's just unbelievable. So we're putting uh, basically our food supply at risk because environmentalists Everybody wants clean water. Everybody wants clean air. There's no question about this. But the environmentalists are ideologues, and they're willing to sacrifice anything, including uh, the ability to feed the world in order to achieve their objectives. This is a bad news. And hopefully uh, we'll resist such a move here in the United States, although the Green Movement has certainly got a lot of uh, it, uh, inertia, uh, inertia, a lot of uh, uh, gains to uh, to push forth the uh, Green New Deal, unfortunate. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. Chairman of the Cato Institute, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a, a author. He's also the chairman of a terrific organization. It's called the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Uh, we were have been talking about the uh, Supreme Court session, last session, some of the decisions that came out. Uh, one is the court uh, took a look at the concealed carry uh, rules in New York. What was the holding there? This is a case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. It was a, a challenge to a 1913 New York law that said you had to have a special need if you wanted to carry a gun outside the home. Um, so the two folks involved, Nash, Nat, Mr. Nash and Koch, uh, they got permits for target practice and for hunting, but they were required to get a uh, state of special need if they wanted to use it for self-defense. Uh, Clarence Thomas wrote the opinion. It was 6-3 along liberal and conservative lines, and he held that Americans generally have a right to carry a handgun outside the home, for self-defense without proving a special need. So that overturned the New York law, and it puts at risk laws in D.C., California, New Jersey, Maryland, Hawaii, and Massachusetts, uh, the usual array of uh, the more liberal states. Uh, Previously, the court had followed a two-step approach to Second Amendment cases. Step one was examine whether the proposed regulation was consistent with the text, the history, and the tradition of gun laws and the Constitution. And then step two, assuming step one passed, uh, step two asked the judges to make some difficult empirical judgments about the costs and benefits of firearms restrictions. So the Thomas said in the Bruin case, we're going to look at step one only. Uh, and we're not going to look at step two. And we're going to conclude in that case that New York uh, did not meet its burden to show that these, uh, this law was consistent with uh, the history of gun laws. Um, so in New York now, shall issue laws with objective requirements, for example, like age and training requirements and mental health and no criminal record, that may still be okay. Mm-hmm. But these may issue laws that give too much discretion to the bureaucrats are now unconstitutional. Good holding in New York. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard the, uh, I think the uh, governor of New York is trying to impose even some more restrictions after the Supreme Court decision. Uh, I would imagine those will be struck down. Well, I hope so. I really think the court um, um is ill-advised in adopting this uh, two-part standard. Uh, We've spoken before about how uh, the characterization of the right can determine whether or not it's uh, 
deeply rooted in our text and our traditions and our history. So if you call, for example, in the in the sex case in Texas, if you call the right uh, the right of two people to engage in homosexual sex without injury to anybody else in the privacy of their homes, if that's the right, then it, yeah, it's it's deeply rooted. But if you say it's all about sodomy and gay sex, well, that's not deeply rooted. So how you characterize the right ends up dictating the outcome of the case. I think the court would have been better advised to say that any restriction on a on a constitutionally guaranteed right has to be very strictly scrutinized, and the government has to come up with a compelling reason for the restriction and has to show that what they propose to do is going to be effective and that there's no better way of doing it without compromising uh, constitutionally secured rights. But the court didn't do that and, and then think it's going to lead to more litigation. Yeah, well, interesting. Thanks for those comments. So what did the court say about uh, term, the term about school choice and religious instruction? Yeah, this was an important case called Carson v. Macon. It challenged the Maine law, um, Maine in the state of Maine, uh, that bans families from uh, otherwise generally available educational school choice program if they choose to send their children to schools that provide religious instruction. Mm -hmm. So the background there is there was a case called Zellman a um, long time ago that said it was okay to include religious schools um, <clears throat> in a school choice program as long as secular schools were also available. And then there was another case, a more recent case, Montana v. Espinosa, that said it's not okay to exclude religious schools solely because of their religious status, because that violates the free exercise clause. So it's okay to include them without violating the establishment clause. It's not okay to exclude them uh, without violating the free exercise clause. But there was this other case called Locke v. Davy that said, yeah, you can exclude religious schools, providing the money's being used for a ministerial education, like, for example, education of how to be a, a priest, uh, devotional theology. So the current case decided whether it was okay to exclude religious uses within a secular program without violating the free exercise clause. And the, uh, the distinction here between the religious status of the school and the religious use of the money, said the court, is unpersuasive. So Maine uh, was not required to have a school choice program. But if they opted to have one, then the state could not exclude religious use of the funds within a religious school so long as other uses were available, a general secular program. Hmm. So uh, step forward for... Uh, religious freedom and uh, yes, indeed, indeed. Bob Levy again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website cato.org. Uh, Bob, I'd love to pick up uh, this topic in our next uh, visit next week. Uh, so, uh, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much, Bob. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I serve on the board and proud to do it. They have a number of programs and policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. Many other initiatives as well. You can visit the website, thefga.org. Well, progressives are eager to make moderate Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, pay a political price for sidelining President Biden's climate change and tax agenda. Democrat operatives and activists say um, Manchin's refusal to obey the party line warrants a primary challenge when the senator runs for re-election in 2024. This man has been a thorn in the side of not only the White House, but all Americans as well. But the American people as well said, Tina Turner, I know, Nina Turner, we know Tina Turner from back in the day, Nina Turner, who served as the national co-chair of the Senator Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. West Virginia is one of the poorest states in the nation, and yet the stands in the way of legislation that would help working people. He should be primaried for that alone. Democrats have been wary of taking Manchin on publicly in in the past for fear of upending the delicate balance of the 50-50 state With the chamber, Democrats can only hold power because of the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Kamala Harris. The reality has been given Manchin extraordinary influence over the budget budget reconciliation process. A party-line mechanism for passing some tax and spending measures, reconciliation is the key for any legislation that cannot overcome the Senate's 60-vote filibuster threshold. Democrats initially hope to use the reconciliation to pass an ambitious $1.75 trillion package of tax hikes, climate change subsidies, and new social welfare spending, uh, dubbed, of course, Build Back Better. Manchin threw a wrench in the whole plan last year by refusing to support the bill 
over concerns it would exacerbate inflation. Well, he was certainly right about that. Earlier this month, Manchin undercut a smaller version of the reconciliation deal by urging Democrats to hold off on including tax hikes and climate change until the next round of inflation numbers. Of course, they've come out and they're worse than expected. I can't. I said I can just wait until the reflation uh, figures come out for July until we know if the Federal Reserve will be hiking interest rates. We'll find out about that later in today's uh, show, uh, session. The uh, Fed is going to be speaking later today. Then we will make the decision on what we can do and how much we can do, said Manchin. Democrats say the move likely ensures the provisions will be left out, especially since economists expect inflation to decrease significantly within the month. Uh, that potential to enact legislation is dead, Senator Jeff Merkley uh, uh, of Oregon said, but we can also unchange the president from waiting for Congress to act. Manchin's request for delay was the last straw in a long list of grievances, according to progressives. The West Virginia Democrat has rankled his party by opposing legislation to protect abortion rights. Manchin has also refused to blow up the filibuster earlier this year to pass the White House's rewrite of the nation's voting laws. More than anything else, however, the senator has frustrated efforts to pass Biden's agenda via reconciliation. This has many Democrats ready to purge Manchin from their ranks. While we need to support all types of diversity in our party, when someone is acting as a de facto agent of the Republican caucus and single-handedly stop good policy that would help all Americans, we have a moral obligation to do something, said Colin Struther a Democrat political strategist who has advised moderates, Joe Manchin is doing what Mitch McConnell cannot do for himself, he said. Many in the left note that Manchin appears to be particularly vulnerable ahead of the 2024 election. Although polls show him with a strong approval rating in West Virginia, most of it comes from Republicans. A recent morning consult survey found Mr. Manchin with 57% job approval rating among West Virginia electorate. That's pretty amazing, and that's real high. With broken down uh, along party lines, the survey found that 69% of Republicans approve of Mr. Manchin's performance compared to 44% of Democrats. Democrats are not pleased with him, said Turner. We can be challenged and beaten in the primary. If he wants to try and rely on the Republicans to reelect him, then good luck, he said. But even if a primary challenge fails, progressives say it will still force Manchin to take his party base more seriously. So Republicans welcome the efforts, and they say that given West Virginia's strong embrace of Republicans, uh, Manchin is likely the only Democrat who could win a U.S. Senate there in the near future. If they want to be nominate some far left and ensure that the uh, seat goes red in two years, we're all for that, said Greg Dompas, a GOP strategist in the state. Progressives are not phased by the notion, saying that Manchin already votes like a Republican anyway. If he's a Democrat, then we're in trouble, said uh, Turner. We might as well take the risk. He said, and uh, this is kind of interesting. If you think this goes, this goes all the way back to the deal struck between uh, the moderate Democrats and uh, Bernie Sanders' coalition of trying to turn this into a communist country. And uh, so uh, Biden said, hey, let's go along with that. We'll, we'll go ahead and do that, trying to get everybody under uh, the same tent. But you know what? It just is not working. And uh, Manchin is the evidence of that. He is, wants to go his own way and make his votes according to what's best for West Virginia. Now, if they think they're going to uh, <laughs> challenge uh, uh, West Virginia, challenge uh, Manchin in, in West Virginia with some sort of progressive Democrat, you can forget that because most of West Virginia supported Donald Trump. So they don't have a chance there. 
And, you know, they're pretty fortunate that the mansion is registered as a, as a Democrat because it allows them to have the uh, Senate majority leader running the agenda. But, uh, you know, they're not satisfied with that. They see him as a turncoat. And uh, Senator Manchin, by the way, announced he's tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, this morning I tested positive for COVID-19. That was uh, yesterday morning. I'm fully vaccinated, boosted, and I'm experiencing mild symptoms, he tweeted. I will isolate and follow CDC guidelines as I continue to work remotely to serve West Virginians. The West Virginia Democrat diagnosis came as Democrats are looking to garner the votes needed to pass legislation to provide funding for semiconductor chips and push for the support needed to pass legislation to codify the same-sex marriage issue. Uh, Manchin's illness also comes as Democrats push the centrist senator to push continued talks with leadership on budget reconciliation uh, that would also allow the party to pass legislation without GOP support on Medicare drug pricing. So, again, all these bills pushing us in the wrong way, uh, but again, uh, on on top of the other resistance that Manchin's provided to the Democrat agenda, he's now got COVID, so he can't participate in any of the votes. I believe uh, the House still has the ability to vote on issues uh, remotely. I think that according to how Nancy Pelosi has organized things, but I believe senators have to be in the chamber in order to vote on issues. So uh, this is going to more hamper the uh, Democrat agenda. And I can't believe actually that uh, the Democrat Senate Majority Leader Schumer, Chuck Schumer, uh, wants to allow, uh, took out the phrase that says uh, we're going to provide this money for semiconductor companies, but it has to be spent in the United States on companies that are producing in the United States. Manchin wants to eliminate that phrase and still pass the bill. First of all, in my opinion, why are we, if there's a tremendous need for semiconductors, that's all that private enterprise really needs in order to get the job done. They should see the opportunity and go forward. Why should the American taxpayer fund that issue? Makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, nevertheless, the semiconductor companies, or at least one of them, is holding hostage the Democrat Party in order to pass uh, this legislation. Makes no sense uh, whatsoever. So um, hopefully we're going to get to the... Uh, midterms without too much more damage from the Democrat Party, and then uh, we can move forward with an agenda uh, that, first of all, in the House allows us to cut, conduct investigations of everybody from Tony Fauci to Hunter Biden, and you name it, there's just a number of things that have, quite frankly, gone awry, and uh, hopefully these elections will occur, because, you know, now we've declared a monkeypox, uh, at least the WHO has, the World Health Organization, a monkeypox uh, pandemic. So far, the uh, United States hasn't bought into that, but I'm sure they're going to figure out some way to try and affect the uh, 2022 uh, 20, uh, midterm elections, sadly. Well, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Joseph Azawaz. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees 
On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can find out more and visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, and he's a professor. He's also the author of a terrific read, uh, Josepha Savaz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Andy, the Excuse political me. climate right now is so interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to see Trump's speech yesterday. He was really on fire. He went right into the belly of the Leviathan and said, you know what? Uh, the election was stolen in 2020, so <laughs> he is not backing down one bit. So what are your well, thoughts? As, as we had commented last week, I mean, people presume that his comments about 2020 is some sort of an ego trip for Donald Trump. Look, he is trying, in my opinion, but trying to ensure the integrity of the 2022 midterms and the 2024 presidential. Uh, and he doesn't see enough action and he doesn't see enough activity in that direction. So I think he is left with being almost a singular voice that tries to get these elections uh, in, in a legal mode, Bob. So I think that's what's going on with uh, with president trump no i definitely agree with that but i really admire him because he speaks truth to power you know he just doesn't back down and uh, just and he i know his speech he came up with a number of uh, things that uh, were very innovative quite frankly to address some of the problems that we have here in the united states i was very very proud of him i i didn't see what yesterday but i did uh, catch the uh the the um, i guess arizona uh rally that he had and the same thing bob he was really uh on the top of his game and uh quite amazing after this man has been uh, attacked consistently by almost every part of the american government the bureaucracy the media 
And after six years of this this attack, he he's still standing and probably standing stronger than ever before. Bob. No, I definitely agree with that. So, uh, any good news for us? It's it's a good news, personal good news story, and I think it's worth sharing with your audience. I I have a very good friend for the past 25 years. He's a Ugandan national. He has become a, an American citizen. Probably one of the finest Americans I know is this is this former Ugandan national uh, national. Uh, so again, uh, he sent me a, a video of two of his friends being sworn in for citizenship uh, in the United States, of course. And uh, they were both crying like uh, like children. I mean, it was just uh, so amazing and heartening to see uh, these two uh, young men from Uganda uh, being sworn in as American citizens. And uh, it just it just thrilled me to see it. You know, in an America today where citizenship has been diminished in its importance and its implication and its value, uh, but it's still there for those who truly understand what America is and what America offers them. So uh, my good news for today is there are still people coming into this country uh, who, who uh, regard this as the uh, the greatest country that, that's ever existed. And you can see it with the tears running down their cheeks, Bob. Yeah, well, I would submit that even those that are coming here illegally probably may see it that way. I mean, they're going coming here for a reason. And even though we've got our problems right now, we're the last bastion and last hope for freedom in the world, quite frankly. So uh, I, I certainly understand that. But it's it's so, I agree, you know, Enos uh, Cantor is a basketball player. He's played in the NBA. He's not playing anymore, and probably because of the way that uh, he's being rejected by the by the owners of the NBA. But he changed his last name to Freedom. He became an American citizen, and now his name is Enos Freedom. And he, <laughs> I, I have seen him, yes. Yeah, and he's just, uh, you know, he's so proud to have being American. I mean, uh, sometimes so one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, we just don't... Uh, Many of us don't hold in esteem the, the value of being an American citizen. It's really an extraordinary thing. Well, I, I hope it's as widespread as I think you're suggesting, Bob, this uh, this uh, pride in becoming an American citizen. We, we do know the, the assimilation process has been, uh, you know, not not very successful over the past 20, 25 years. That doesn't mean we can't get back to it. But at this point, although you're right, many do come here for freedom. They come here from from cultures and legal environments where they have no understanding of what that takes to yeah. to ensure. Uh, so yes, they may uh, want their own personal freedom, but on the other hand, I, I don't know if they know enough or care enough about the uh, the ingredients of freedom uh, to really help uh, fortify it as as we go on. Hopefully th that that happens, but. Uh, at this point, the assimilation in that regard, Bob, has not been very successful. Well, I'll point out that uh, most assimilations, most people, when when uh, immigrate, immigrants came to uh, Ellis Island and uh, came into the United States, many of them got into, uh, uh, you know, into a, a situation they lived, uh, they're separated from the rest of the country and spoke their own language and so forth. That happened for a generation, maybe a generation and a half, but slowly but surely assimilated over time. I think the biggest... And so what I mean is maybe part of it is a natural thing as opposed to being some sort of extraordinary difference that's that's occurring right now. But what would be the ultimate irony is that, in fact, uh, these uh, Latinos, if these uh, Hispanics end up uh, voting Republican <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden we're going to hear the, uh, the Democrats saying we need more controls over the border. <laughs> Well, we're getting at the topic that I, I didn't want to be involved with. I, I've just mentioned my mother's maiden name is Gomez, so I, I am theoretically an, an Hispanic by, me, by many measurements. 
uh, my school wanted to list me as uh, as an Hispanic primarily because it would help them satisfy their diversity requirements for faculty. So, uh, but again, the problem and the difference now between the now in the period of time you were describing is the there were huge periods of time where there was no immigration and by doing that by shutting it down for long periods of time it allowed assimilation to take place yeah. right now with this constant uh, inundation that we're getting uh, through the southwestern border and primarily uh, that assimilation process has no has very little chance to take root so i think the, the problem is not with the immigrants the problem is with our failure to allow the appropriate time right. for for their citizenship to ripen to mature. Uh, if we could get back to that model, then I think we'd have a chance of returning to that early 20th century model, Bob. Well, and the other issue, of course, is it's a flagrant uh, illustration of our lack of respect for law and order. I mean, with all this is happening, it's against the law and our president of the United States, who his role is to enforce the law and the decisions made by Congress, and he's not doing it. It's just uh, reprehensible. Bob, that's, that's, that's crazy talk. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm being obviously so facetious about that, but uh, it's almost approached that way. When someone just wants to apply the law as it's written, uh, they, are, they are attacked for being racist or for being misogynist or a whole variety of other issues that are, that are directed at them. Um, but you're right. Obviously, they just have to enforce the laws, and I think this country could get back to its historic normalcies, Bob. Absolutely. So, Andy, what's on your mind today? Well, I had just finished reading a book by one of my uh, favorite authors. He's uh, a gentleman that is knowledgeable, makes me laugh, which is a nice thing when I'm reading a book that's on politics. Uh, it's Kurt Schlichter. Kurt Schlichter is one of the uh, the leading uh, editorialist from uh, the website uh, Town Hall. He just published a book uh, called We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. Uh, in this book, without advocacy now, he talks about what it would look like if there was a civil war. He's not advocating. He's just describing the horrors of it, describing the problems that would arise and so forth. He also talks about what it would look like if there was a blue state domination over the rest of the country. In other words, a, a leftist domination of this country. He describes that in, in details and the problems. He also describes a right wing a red state takeover of this country. He does this because he's trying to lay out the, uh, the those things that many people suggest and advocate are just not things that have any chance of, of being successful. Uh, they would cause havoc, destruction, loss of life. He goes into intimate details about, about this. Uh, but at the end of this, he talks about how America can be saved. And that gets me uh, more to my point. My, my point uh, right now, Bob, is I've come to a, uh, as I mentioned off air, a, a final destination uh, as it pertains to uh, former President Donald Trump. Uh, I believe uh, Donald Trump must run for the presidency. Uh, I'm, I'm taking it out of his hands. And when I say must, because he's He's obviously has, has his own personal life that must be considered. But let's presume that that isn't a factor. He must run. The, the reasons are, are, are so many, but I think we can, we can talk about some of them, uh, some of them here. So, Andy, you know, now uh, this is a great place to take the final break here on the show. So maybe you could stick around and we'll just tease the fact that you're... Uh, I, I think I can stay, stick around. But. All right, good. Thank you so much, Andy. Okay, we're going to have more on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. 
Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. So uh, the premise that you gave us before uh, our break was... uh, Donald, Donald Trump must become our next president. Uh, maybe you could give us your thinking behind that. Well, I mean, uh, when I hear most people talk, they're talking from uh, uh, one of two directions. They, uh, they say this election, the elections must unify us, and Trump is not a unifier. Uh, I would regard the potential of unifying us would be similar to trying to unify the Nazis and the Jews in 1943 Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an absolutely absurd position to take as it pertains to uh, 2022 America. So unification would mean surrender. There's no other way unification take, can take place. Uh, the the other one is just purely to win elections. Uh, that elections being won is the is the answer uh, to our problems. We've seen that in the past. It hasn't worked in the past. Uh, we've seen George W. come in. We've seen that uh, eight years of that failing. Uh, we've seen a successful four years of Donald Trump in 2016, and yet at the other side of that, with the uh, the left uh, taking control again, that almost everything that uh, Trump did was uh, was destroyed. Uh, my my premise right now is that we must accept that right now the whole issue of the 2022-2024 elections is to save America, and the only person that I believe has the the strength has shown the previous ability and willingness uh, to get this done is Donald Trump. 
He's withstood their, their total assault. I believe he can come into the presidency. I'm presuming a, at least a, uh, a red uh, House, if not a red Senate, as he comes in in 2025. Uh, but I believe if he comes in, appoints the right attorney general, gets rid of Christopher Wray, uh, takes all the wokeness out of the military. Uh, I can name a whole variety of issues that only Donald Trump would be able to uh, to author and be able to successfully push through the American system. Now, this requires that the Republican Party understands that what they're involved with in these elections is not just winning, is not some variation of unification. Their job right now, unlike any other point in American history, Bob, is to save this country. I believe if it doesn't happen in 2022 and 2024, it is lost forever. The only person I can see being able to get that done, uh, the ability and the, the courage to get that done is Donald Trump. I would add, I, I love Ron DeSantis. I mean, if, if for some reason uh, Trump decided not to run, I have no trouble yep. supporting Ron DeSantis. I don't think Ron DeSantis has uh, that that uh, compelling personality about about him that would insist that these changes uh, be accomplished and would push through any obstacles to get it done. So I'm, I'm, this is going to sound very dramatic, but I think the only man that can save America going forward in the next two or three years will be ex-president Donald Trump. Bob. Thank you for that, Andy. In fact, as I think about it, I think the perfect ticket would be Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis as vice president. That would make DeSantis, again, the, the heir apparent and give him a stage and an opportunity. Although, you know, I do not want to see him leave the position of being governor here in Florida. But uh, irrespective, I think the right decision for Donald Trump is to name him as his vice presidential candidate. I think that'd be a strong ticket. Uh, of course, I'm sure some people say, well, he's not black he's not he's not a female you know those types of things but certainly would be an outstanding vice See, president those are the type of issues that have to be ignored they have no significance right. they have no reality anybody who would reject that ticket for those reasons is not going to support that ticket anyway right so let's forget about trying to accommodate those people who are not and would, would never ever uh, support a, a Republican t ticket, no matter who's on it. Right. It just wouldn't matter to them. So, I mean, I'd love to have DeSantis on that ticket. I, uh, I'd, I'd love to see uh, Byron Donalds perhaps move in uh, to the governor's uh, mansion uh, in Tallahassee. I think uh, Byron would make an, an excellent governor, and I think that would be, and I'm projecting way ahead of the game right now, but I can see Don, uh, Byron Donalds being uh, a major national uh, uh, candidate, uh, vice president, perhaps even president as time unfolds. I don't want to uh, make this an un <laughs> a burden for, for, for Byron, uh, but again, I think he is a man that, that has to be looked look towards as a man who can fill Florida's roles, and then beyond that, the, the roles needed in the United States. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that. Uh, I think that's an, an outstanding choice. I think it's a little premature for him to become a vice presidential candidate. Maybe not. I mean, uh, he would be an outstanding choice, but again, DeSantis clearly Really uh, has the tools necessary to serve as a president of the United States, and uh, I certainly would uh, love to see Trump win this election. And I agree with you; he must win. He he must uh, actually get into office. Uh, and I appreciate his. I think he wants to clean the swamp. And while he failed at that in his first president, while he accomplished a lot, he failed at that. I think. Uh, a uh, number of things he can do in order to get get rid of the uh, sixth and seventh floors of the uh, FBI, and you can go through the list. But basically, 
uh, clean house and get, make sure that people are supporting his agenda. Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's not going to uh, make the same mistake he made with Jeff Sessions when he, in the attorney general chair. Uh, he's going to bring in someone who he knows will get the job done for America. And there's going to be some very strong things that have to be done to dislodge the, uh, the, uh, the swamp. The federal bureaucracy must be diminished in its power. Uh, that includes the FBI, of course, the, the uh, firing of Christopher Wray. And by the way, with, uh, with Byron Donalds, I, 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 I do think he needs a, a stepping stone to the federal, uh, uh, the national offices. And that's why I suggested perhaps uh, becoming governor of Florida would be the, the uh, logical uh, jump off point for a, for a national ticket for Byron. I certainly agree with that. I think he'd be an outstanding governor. What I appreciate about governor, uh, about uh, Byron, this is just one of many things that I, that I appreciate, but uh, he voted against uh, the, uh, electoral college votes and uh, approving the electoral college votes. And he didn't do it to support Trump. He did it because, according to the Constitution, the states have to follow the rules of each state in order to elect uh, electoral votes in the uh, in in the presidential race. And uh, there are four states that didn't. And he said that's against the law, and therefore didn't support uh, the electoral college votes uh, from those states. You know, and I'm not sure many people took that approach, but he, he was right. Yes. I mean, I, just to show you the intensity that the left feels about the electoral college, I made a presentation at the Renaissance Academy uh, right after the, uh, the 2016 elections uh, on the electoral college. And it was very well received by an audience of about 35. But about four or five of these people just just went crazy because I was just. I said nothing that was not part of the law, nothing that was not part of our history, and yet I was I was accused of being a radical right wing conservative because I just I merely stated the law and uh, elucidated or so, uh, listed the benefits that were are achieved by the existence of the electoral college. But there is a deep emotional involvement with the with getting rid of the electoral college on the left, Bob. Oh, no question. If you got rid of the Electoral College, you made this whole thing by a, by a popular vote. Uh, all the candidates would just go to California and New York. You get those electoral votes uh, or, or get the popular vote and uh, you win the election. So there's a reason why our founders created the situation as they did. And by the way, I think there's a reason why the founders named the vice president of the United States to count the electoral votes. It's precisely because of the uh, constitutional crisis that came up. I mean, uh, you think about Mike Pence, he saw himself doing some sort of an administrative task, take off his shoes and socks and count his toes and just count ballots. No, the fact that he has the power in order to step in and make sure that justice was done on that day on January 6th. Unfortunately, he saw his role as a different, in a different way, and I don't think he fulfilled the greatness that he had uh, in, in terms of the demands of the situation. There's no doubt you're right, Bob. I mean, uh, he's he, like many people, uh, thought that the only thing that would help America was to move past the 2020 elections. Uh, and by doing by doing that, by taking that position, he failed to understand exactly what you just said, that all President Trump wanted was a legal count to shift it back into the state legislatures where it always should have been to start with and have that count take place uh, legally, constitutionally, where it belonged to start with. For, for Pence to ignore that, uh, I think his, uh, his intentions were good in this uh, in the intentions of the road, paved the road to hell, Bob. Uh, so I think uh, Pence did not understand uh, that he had the ability to do it. 
And I believe not only the ability, he had the obligation to do it within his capacity. Bob. Absolutely. Andrew Joppa, again, Professor Josephus of Oz. Andy, I'm so sorry that we don't have more time to expand on these issues, but we can take another crack at it next week. Really appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow as well. Uh, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.